0: Let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast shifting inside out hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We're diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift, inspiring topics, hacks and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power and living a purpose filled life. today, I wanted to do a deep dive into imposter syndrome. It has definitely become kind of one of the um, symptoms a lot of people really have identified for themselves. The challenge with just identifying or kind of labeling yourself as having imposter syndrome is it's really, really hard to break the cycles of it without understanding why it's there, without understanding how to recognize it, or doing the deep work to basically to integrate improvements. So what I wanted to do in this episode was give you a little bit more information about what it's all about, break it down a bit so that it can be a little bit more tangible and reasonable in order to work through it, break the cycle, get rid of it for good so have you ever thought what am i doing here i don't belong i'm a total fraud and sooner or later everyone's going to find out if you've ever felt like an imposter at work for instance you're not alone because about 70 percent of people who have been surveyed over the past few years basically have said that at some point they have experienced imposter syndrome in some phenomenon or other. And so when we kind of just break down imposter syndrome itself, which sounds so harsh <laughs> because it's two words that really become across as kind of negative, you know, imposter meaning fraudulent and perceived fraudulence and syndrome meaning illness. It kind of makes it feel like, okay, this is a really heavy burden to work through. What it really breaks down to is involving feelings of self-doubt um, and personal incompetence. And these basically two area, two heavy areas persist despite, you know, maybe the education that you've gotten or the experience that you have or even the accomplishments that you've achieved. And regardless of you know, kudos and accolades and promotions and, and pat on the backs from your boss. You counter those feelings with working harder and holding yourself to even higher standards. And then this pressure can eventually take a toll on your emotional well-being and on your performance as a whole. And really it comes down to minimizing the positive feedback that you may have gotten. And the story then that you tell yourself is that You're a one-hit wonder or that your success is a fluke, that it couldn't happen again. And then you really have no idea, you know, how you landed your job or why someone gave you this authority. And so what you do know is that it'll clearly, certainly all disappear if you screw up even once. So I know how imposter syndrome shows up because I've been there. I know what it's like to constantly second guess yourself, to downplay accomplishments, and you know to wonder whether you're good enough or even smart enough for the opportunities presented to you at work. It really is imposter syndrome, or if it's just maybe a specific component around confidence or self-trust. In addition to kind of this crippling self-belief that you don't deserve your success or that you couldn't replicate it, you're unable to kind of internalize the positive achievements so it's really hard to recognize or you know to take credit or to be proud of something that you accomplished and i think also part of this is this sense that you know we need to be humble that nowadays most everything is is a co-creation it's it's not just created by one person so there's this sense of I don't want to take credit for, them, for this myself. You know, this was a, you know, dual effort or a multi-team effort. And so it can get really confusing when you're looking at your own con- contribution to that achievement. And I've worked with many clients, both men and women, who call out imposter syndrome as something they struggle with. Most often it's, as they maybe recently started a new job or with a new company or a new position within their existing company, they typically aren't feeling completely comfortable with how they are contributing and that they don't yet have a plan or a strategy to conquer their role or that the job is actually slower than they're used to and feel like they aren't doing something right or that they're missing something very interesting shift when you move from a very fast-paced, highly demanding, high decision-making environment to one that's more steady, this can creep up. And one client in particular, um, he viewed that three weeks into the job, he should already have a plan. This was in a new company in a newly created role and a newly expanded region in the world, and, and he should already have a plan. And in reality, you know, there was still a lot he needed to do just to understand where the company was at and what was left and yet to kind of design. And so, you know, that challenge is that our mind immediately goes to tying our competence or maybe how we get things done to our being the right person for the job and our worthiness of the job. Though there's objective facts you know that you prove you're you are smart you're capable you don't believe any of it you dismiss it the way this client did or as a fluke or not your best work and despite evidence showing that you are more than competent and do good things you worry about being found out or exposed as unqualified and deep down you know he felt like an imposter briefly as soon as I started celebrating, you know, how much he had already accomplished in his first 3 weeks, which was incredible, and his plan for the next 4, plus, you know, tying in his experiences that I knew he had already had already contributed in the past, successes from previous roles and and then also just diving into the specifics of why he felt like he did. We uncovered some really key opportunities to work on. So I wanted to do this episode and also create a guide that can help more people really deal with imposter syndrome. The guide I created is to help say goodbye to imposter syndrome for good. And you can check out the link in the show notes. This is a really great way to just identify, first of all, do you even have it? So there's a quiz included and that's how you start out. And then it breaks down kind of the five types of imposter syndrome with what the inner barriers are that allow us to go into deeper work in that guide to shift confidence, worth, self-trust, and people-pleasing. I'm not gonna go into the specifics around that today because that is all included in the workbook. But what I wanted to do was to really draw attention to connecting with imposter syndrome. Imposter feelings represent kind of this conflict between like your own self-perception and then the way others perceive you and even as others praise your talents you write off your successes to timing and to good luck or maybe you don't believe that you earned them on your own merits and you fear others will eventually realize the same thing and so consequently you know you pressure yourself to work harder in order to keep others from recognizing you know, your shortcomings or your failures, or to become worthy of the roles you believe you don't deserve, or even to make up for what you consider your lack of intelligence. And then also just to ease feelings of guilt over tricking people or convincing people to hire you. The work that you put in can keep the cycle going and your further accomplishments don't reassure you. So, You consider them nothing more than the product of your efforts to maintain this illusion of your success. Often the clients that I work with who experience imposter syndrome don't realize that they go through the same sequence of emotions each time they sense their intelligence is called into question or they're starting something new or they're putting themselves out there. And essentially, you know, any challenge, um, whether it's a new work project or maybe some weird, ambiguous email, it'll cause someone with imposter syndrome to freak out, basically, setting off this kind of predictable cycle of worrying, of self-doubt and fear. And then to cope, they fall into either a pattern of perfectionism or overdoing it or procrastination or avoiding it. It's amazing because you can fall into one camp or the other or you can actually kind of go back and forth between the two. But what's interesting is in the reality you actually are smart and you do good work but your imagined worst case scenario never actually happens and in fact you probably get positive feedback for your work but you ignore it or attribute your success to luck or maybe timing or your connections and then that closes the cycle temporarily until the next challenge appears and then it begins again what's interesting is that Originally, the concept of imposter syndrome was thought to apply mostly to high-achieving women, and since then, it has been recognized as a more widely experienced phenomenon, and imposter syndrome can actually affect anyone, no matter their social status, their background, their work background, their skill level, their degree of expertise. One of the interesting things as I was researching for my clients and then also additional research for this podcast is that imposter syndrome can actually be broken down into five basic types. So it's not that there's one imposter syndrome. There's actually five basic types that most, I would say, the professional fields that study this in psychology actually agree on. So the first one is called the perfectionist. And I've also lined up an inner barrier of I'm a failure, which is a lot of the work that we actually do a deep dive in the guide that I was mentioning earlier. If you tend to have this particular imposter syndrome, you focus primarily on how you do things, often to the point where you basically demand perfection of yourself. And since perfection isn't always a realistic goal, When you can't meet the standards and just instead of acknowledging, you know, I did my best, I worked hard and was able to do what I did, you end up criticizing yourself for maybe small mistakes or you feel ashamed of your failure. You might even avoid trying new things if you believe you can't do them perfectly the first time. And what's interesting is perfectionist focuses on how something should be done they want 110% from any project or assignment each and every time and when these standards aren't met they you know that imposter syndrome kicks into gear if you're a perfectionist you know these characteristics might actually apply to you you always hold yourself to the highest standard you're sometimes accused of being a micromanager you never settle for less than gold anything else is a failure And even if you deliver a successful presentation, you'll kick yourself because you forgot one minor detail. The second one is the expert, which I tend to have this one at times, still today, working on it. The expert, I also aligned with an inner barrier of I'm powerless. It's interesting because the expert, you know, feels like an imposter if they don't know everything there is to know about something Before, you know, you can consider your work a success, you want to learn everything there is to know on the topic. And you might spend so much time pursuing, you know, kind of your quest for information that you end up having to devote more time to that main task and getting it done. Since you believe that you should have all the answers, you might consider yourself a fraud or failure when you can't answer a question or, you know, encounter some knowledge that you previously missed experts strive for more knowledge more experience and more awards even if they have success and fame in their field of expertise they think they don't have enough they strive to be perfect because they want to please others and they feel like an imposter because there's always someone better out there and if you're an expert imposter like me you might relate to the following you tend to prepare yourself fully by diving into books, courses, trainings, etc. before attempting a big project or putting yourself out there with an idea or maybe even creating a presentation. You avoid applying for jobs because you don't meet all of the qualifications. And even if you've been teaching or working in your job for years, you still feel like you're not enough. The third type is the natural genius and I've added an inner barrier called the fixed mindset. And so in the guide, we actually do some work around shifting to a growth mindset. And the reason is, is because the natural genius has spent their life basically picking up new skills without like any effort. You've seen these people in school, you're like, how do you never study for anything? How do you hardly pay attention in class? And yet you ace every test, right? So they um, believe that because they have this natural gift, that they should understand new material and processes right away and then they also believe though that competent people can handle anything with little difficulty and it leads them to feel like a fraud when they do have a hard time. If something doesn't come easily to the natural genius or maybe they fail to succeed on their first try they feel ashamed and embarrassed. If you think You should always be smart, be a fast learner, or excel at everything you're taught. You might be a natural genius. And natural geniuses have a tendency to look at the pros in their field and wonder why am I not there yet? So who they're comparing themselves to. And they often don't realize that there's a mid-stage process called learning that takes beginners to the pro level. So when faced with any kind of setbacks, You know, they're usually questioning their own competency. Natural geniuses, you know, have traits of believing that people are born talented or skilled, which is also a fixed mindset. They get frustrated easily and may quickly switch from one hobby to another because they couldn't master it right away. And then they see everyone around them as achieving success while they're the only ones failing. And this is in that comparison mindset where it ends up really causing them to just kind of beat themselves up. And then number four is the soloist. And I've added the inner barrier of I'm alone. And this is the work that we do in the guide. You believe that you should be able to handle everything by yourself. Part of it is this sense of I should be self-sufficient, not asking for help or asking for support. And part of that is societal as well, could even be generational um, within your family. It really comes down to the, the belief that if you can't achieve success independently, that you basically consider yourself unworthy. And so asking someone for help or accepting support when it's offered doesn't just mean failing your own high standards. It also means admitting your inadequacies, and in, in showing yourself as a failure. So the soloists believe they can do everything themselves and prefer to do things without asking for help. They believe that asking others is a sign of weakness because they feel they should know what they're doing. So as a soloist, they feel like they need more time for prep, They may prefer solo projects versus group tasks, and they definitely don't ask for help, even if they need it. So then the last type of imposter syndrome is the superhero. And I've tied the inner barrier, I'm not enough, and we work on that in the guide. So they link competence to their ability to succeed in every role that they hold, and that includes being a friend, being an employee, being a parent, And then failing basically to successfully navigate the demands of each of these roles simply proves, in their opinion, as inadequate. But the challenge is is that they stack everything up responsibility-wise, and so it becomes a little bit more challenging to really be able to be adequate at each role. And even if one thing falls apart or doesn't happen, they beat themselves up for it. In order to succeed, they push themselves to the limit, which then expends like tons of energy into every role, not just one role. And so at that maximum effort, they don't end up even resolving their imposter feelings. It's just comes down to I should be able to do more or that this should be easier. And so what happens when the superwoman or superman loves to take on more responsibility. They end up working harder. They end up working a lot more hours. They often juggle many tasks at once, even to the point of overexhaustion. And so if you do this where, you know, between work and chores and or um, kids, school, side business, whatever's going on in your life, if you're juggling multiple tasks at once, this is a sign that you have the superhero imposter syndrome. If you often find yourself working overtime, even past your normal team's working hours, or you maybe neglect your friends, family, or hobbies in order to work more, you probably have the superhero imposter syndrome. Let's talk a bit about characteristics of imposter syndrome so we can get a little deeper into this. Maybe this will kind of hit home for you. You know, some of those characteristics are you know as as an inability to kind of realistically assess your own competence and skills. And what I mean by this is there's this sense of judgment that kind of hovers around your actual competence and it keeps you from truly seeing it and really being able to assess what you're competent at. So you're downplaying it, you're filtering it, you're blurring it. You're basically not giving yourself the full credit when it comes to your competence and your skills. And the second is really, you know, around attributing your success to external factors. So, this is where luck comes into play, timing comes into play, your connections come into play. And then, downplaying or even criticizing your performance is number th- three. And this is where. You know, somebody says to you, great job on that presentation. You say, oh, no, it was nothing. I, I kind of threw it together last minute. Kind of like saying, oh, beautiful dress. And you say, oh, this old thing, same kind of concept. <laughs> so this is where, you know, you're you're coming into the conversation with immediate criticism or you're coming into your head with immediate criticism. Like that could have been better. And you start nitpicking at all of the little things that didn't quite happen the way you had planned when you were preparing for the presentation. You know, another characteristic is a fear that you won't live up to expectations. So maybe prior going into this presentation where your boss was like, look, I'm giving you this space to be able to talk about our strategy and you're like, oh my gosh, what if I let this person down? You know, this is this fear ends up kind of eating at you. And I guarantee it, it keeps you up at night prior to actually delivering that presentation. A true characteristic of imposter syndrome is overachieving. Overachieving ends up actually really tying into a couple of these types of imposter syndrome very specifically. Uh, What can happen as kind of this result of, of imposter syndrome showing up in your world is you end up sabotaging your own success. And so when you do this, this is about either... Not doing something like not applying for a job or not going after um, a promotion. Or it could actually come down to procrastination so that you can then say, I'm not ready. And then somebody else has to take over an opportunity that you may have had to get visibility or to be able to share your voice. And then another characteristic of imposter syndrome is self-doubt. And this is really a big one. And this is an underlying one that you could hear coming through the five types in pretty much every instance, right? And then as you set goals, this goes the same for expectations. If imposter syndrome is flaring up, we'll just call it this little rash. If it's flaring up, what happens is you end up setting very challenging goals, and then when you fall short, you feel disappointed. Or setting really high expectations, probably not communicating, which is part of the sabotaging. And then when it doesn't happen, you actually become very disappointed. And so there there is this cycle and there is this additional impact that can happen when you're going through this. And, and so I mentioned there's a quiz in the guide with the link in the show notes, but just to do kind of a quick set of symptoms of imposter syndrome, we had mentioned crediting luck, or maybe some other external reasons for any success. But also there are some fears. Fear of being seen as a failure is definitely one of the symptoms. And then feeling that overworking is the only way to meet expectations is a big one. And that one really fits into quite a few of the different types of imposter syndrome. Feeling unworthy of attention or affection or Of success, those are all really important and kind of filter through a couple of those um, types of imposter syndrome as well. And then downplaying accomplishments hits pretty much every one of them, along with holding back from reaching attainable goals and maybe pushing yourself out to your growth edge. And especially when you talk about like the natural genius, you know, that's one where it's kind of this set expectation of what is achievable. And so when you think about reducing kind of the upper limits or possibilities of where you can actually go because of having more of a fixed mindset around growth, expansion, learning possibilities, that this actually can hold you back from not just attaining goals that you create, but attaining goals that you didn't even think were possible to create. And so it's interesting because... Imposter syndrome's not just work-related, although I've I've kind of focused here and in the guide as being a bit more work-related, but it does show up, and the symptoms really manifest in in many ways. And at work, you know, people with the imposter mindset often attribute their success to these other external factors versus their own abilities and work ethic, um, which then could actually end up holding them back from asking for a raise or applying for a promotion. And they might also feel like they have to overwork themselves to achieve the possibility of the high standards that they've set. And when it comes to home, you know, any parent can probably remember a point in time when they felt clueless, including being incapable and totally, totally unprepared for the responsibility of raising a child and if these feelings go unchecked parents could struggle to basically make decisions you know for their child out of fear that they're going to mess up their life how many of you have felt that before right and then when you know you were in school or anyone who might be in school who's listening you know students could avoid speaking up in class or asking questions for fear that teachers or classmates might think they're clueless and oh by the way if you had any kind of a minor traumatic experience in school when you're growing up, guess what happens in the workplace too, is you don't typically raise your hand to share your ideas because you're afraid of being embarrassed, which is one of the top five fears that humans have. And when you're in relationships, you know, how it manifests is um, some people feel unworthy of the affection that they get from a significant other and or fear that maybe their partner will discover um, that they're not actually that great. And so sometimes people will sabotage the relationship and end it before the other person can. And this is really, really disheartening, but also just another way to kind of show how imposter syndrome is not just in your work, it can actually manifest, and these symptoms can manifest in other areas of your life. And when you have, you know, feelings of self doubt, this can stir up a lot of fear and anxiety and stress it really can actually lead to a drop in you know your overall job performance and your job satisfaction the engagement that you that you have in your job and it also can increase burnout and it definitely has been scientifically linked to anxiety and depression one thing that i do want to call out as a really really important differentiator between imposter syndrome and discrimination because feeling like an outsider isn't necessarily just a result of imposter syndrome in some cases it can occur due to actual discrimination or exclusion you know due to whatever is going on in that arena and systemic bias and with imposter syndrome the feeling of being an outsider Is mostly caused by our own internal beliefs but with discrimination the feeling is caused by the actions of others so there's a real difference here and I just wanted to call this out because if you're relating to all of these things but it's not necessarily because of your own internal beliefs it is because of the systemic bias that is around you and where you're at there is a difference in imposter syndrome versus actual discrimination But I think it's important to be aware of any biases against your gender or race that might lead you to work harder in order to disprove harmful stereotypes. You may actually believe that you need to dedicate more effort than anyone else in order to be taken seriously. You might earn much less and you don't get the recognition for your efforts in that. And so simply being aware of the negative stereotypes can affect your performance and lead you to fixate on your mistakes, be more fearful of making a mistake, or even further doubt your abilities. And I think as leaders, there is a significant sensitivity that um, it has. It has an opportunity in the workplace to really understand when this is happening. So what the heck causes imposter syndrome? And I think, and I'm laughing because it seems like a lot already, right? Like we've, we've gone through a lot. We've connected with quite a bit. There is this sense of, I would say, association. You know, we're, we're kind of saying, okay, um, instead of just imposter syndrome, I am really connecting in with a particular type. And I'm also realizing some of the things, the behaviors that I do, the, the reactions that I have that are keeping me in this cycle. It's interesting, I think, to find the cause and to really understand it for two reasons one because i had mentioned earlier that basically it affects all backgrounds ages and genders so this is not isolated it's great i think understand when this could happen again so you break the cycle you break the cycle you break the cycle right now there is this huge shift happening in the workplace where there are a lot of people starting new jobs a lot of people starting new jobs that is a big thing then you also have a lot of stress at home because a lot of people are starting new jobs or they have lost a job and there are a lot of changes going on and we just you know recently have gone through the last two years with covid and so it has caused a lot of shifts in raising children and their education and their own experience And so I thought it would be important to share what some of the causes of imposter syndrome that could be happening now with our children that will impact them 15 to 20 years from now. Maybe we can prevent it just by really understanding and being aware and conscientious of it. So there's pretty much like kind of five areas that are really interesting. And the first one you can guess is family dynamics. So this includes, if let's say you had a parent who was a high achiever, um, they kind of became this model and this hero of everything has to be like how they've done it or how they've achieved. And if not, everyone else is just, you know, a fraud. Or if you're able to replicate that or achievement, but you're suffering with imposter syndrome, you could actually feel like you didn't deserve it, like you didn't earn it. Um, So you have that kind of going against you, and that that usually stems from childhood or even as adults within families, sibling dynamics and and parent-to-child dynamics as well. The other thing is when there might be high levels of conflict, this is one of the reasons why I brought this up, but where there might be high levels of conflict at home, there's really not a support system, this can then lead down the road to imposter syndrome, and then... Anytime parents put pressure on the kids to do well in school, when there's comparison to siblings, where there's controlling or high protection, where maybe the natural intelligence is emphasized, and we do this like unintentionally. This is not a, this is not an ill intention. Parents really try to support their children any best way they can, but by calling out and emphasizing natural intelligence can actually hurt your child when they become challenged with something down the road that they can't naturally solve for. That whole natural genius imposter syndrome kicks in. And then the other is maybe there's sharp criticism when mistakes happen. And, and as a child, when that happens, um, that is absolutely carried into adulthood. And so I think each of us can kind of think back to whether it was a teacher or whether it was a parent um, or even a neighbor you know, that would have criticized us when we made a mistake um, or even a coach. Um, those are the things that we carry forward with us and those feed into imposter syndrome. The second area is one thing that I just mentioned um, a few minutes ago, which is that when there's any kind of new work environment or maybe a new position, um, new responsibilities, or if you're in school, a new school opportunity, it can trigger imposter syndrome. When you're going through any kind of transitions or trying new things, a sense that you don't belong or that you're not capable can pop up. These feelings that get triggered, it really overrides even the need that, hey, I really, really want this job. It could even be your dream job. All the same, you worry that you won't measure up to the expectations or maybe even believe that your abilities won't match those of your coworkers or your classmates if you're in school. And so, you know, this is where it ends up becoming this battle. The personality traits um, are also kind of really interesting that have been linked to imposter feelings. The perfectionist tendencies, which is actually a type of imposter syndrome called the perfectionist. Low confidence, and specifically on, like, low confidence on your ability to handle responsibilities, okay? Okay. And then if you happen to have low levels of preparation or organization, this can absolutely feed into imposter syndrome, not feeling prepared, not feeling organized. Obviously, when those things happen anyway, things fall through the cracks. So then, of course, it now becomes this criticism on ourselves that we um, aren't capable. The other thing is when you you know, kind of think about high amounts of negative self-talk and or feelings that end up causing insecurity, these all end up playing into imposter syndrome. Social anxiety is another one, another area that you know causes feelings of inadequacy. If you think about it like when you've had to present something that you didn't feel fully confident in, maybe it was like a new category to you, you weren't quite sure of who the audience was you had spent a lot of time, but maybe not enough time preparing, <laughs> and you just wanted to get through it before anyone realizes that you really don't belong there. That is this feeling of inadequacy, and that's that social anxiety that can absolutely cause imposter syndrome. And then if there are any kind of existing mental health symptoms, you know, including um, depression and anxiety, those can fuel self-doubt and even diminished self-confidence as well as create worries about how others perceive you, you know, which ties into imposter syndrome. Okay, so you're like, all right, Ange, got it. I definitely have imposter syndrome. I have narrowed it down to a certain type or two, and now I just want to know how to work through it. How do I break the cycle? how do i stop going here to this place every time something new a transition happens i have um, some kind of a challenge that comes up that for some reason i end up you know really doubting myself how do i get through this and so there are a few things i have a list in the guide which again you can go to the link in the show notes that gives you that link and you can go there and and it's really amazing the simple techniques that we can do to at least help get us on track and feel like we have this sense of power and control over this so there is a page in there that basically goes into some good detail along with the deep dive exercises that you go through to get to the core inner barrier issues and To break through those and integrate them as well so in one of the last pages in the book you will actually find this set of steps that you can use and just to kind of give you the quick overview really a lot of it comes down to your feelings so not just acknowledging and sitting with your feelings but actually sharing your feelings really really can help More so with understanding when you're having irrational beliefs or not. So it can kind of help you with that. Focusing on others and making connections. So as you are going through this, when you recognize someone else might be going through it too, bring them into your loop. Bring them into your group. It can actually help you build confidence in your own abilities. And then assessing your abilities. If you have never had this look backwards of, you know, what your abilities are, and what you've actually accomplished, it is a really great assessment to be able to do for yourself. And then be aware of your thoughts and actually question them. There's a lot of work that I do with folks on inner critic and this is a really great area that you can start looking for the facts, looking for the facts on what your thoughts are telling you. And then the next thing is to stop comparing. So this is all about how you're showing up, how others show up, who's better, <laughs> and, and really to reduce how much is going on in that comparison world. And then using social media moderately, I would even say do digital detoxes every once in a while where you just get away from digital altogether for a couple of days, maybe pick a weekend once a month um, or you know once every couple of months and actually get away from using social media. And a great exercise when you're feeling self-doubt is to basically get your journal and go ahead and write five things you're grateful for. And this is a really great way to kind of shift your whole state and your mindset and your perspective from – where you might be beating yourself up or looking at lack um, into you know what you have going really well in your life and then you can even have something like your proudest moment of the day where you're really happy with how you handled something and to focus on that and to be grateful for that as well and then here's an interesting one now this is not for the people pleasers if you're a people pleaser please ignore this last one because You should learn how to say no more often. But for those who maybe kind of stay a bit isolated because their um, imposter syndrome really kind of holds them back from putting themselves out there more, say yes more. Like make that more of your default without it overburdening you. Like don't get to the point where, and this is why I said the people pleasers don't listen to this, don't get to the point where it's overwhelming but allow yourself to say yes more often so that you can put yourself out there and actually break through some of the imposter syndrome cycles. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. There was a lot of information here and I do want to just again share that there is a link to the guide, Goodbye Imposter Syndrome. That is actually what it's called. And in this guide, which is only about 12 pages of work, which is mostly reading and a a few questions that you'll deep dive into along with some exercises to integrate the changes so you can break the cycle for good. This is for you to be able to work through imposter syndrome. There's too much of this going on right now. And you guys are very valuable and, and have a light to share with the world. So if you want to take that link and send it to someone that you feel would benefit from it as well, please do. If you want to post it on social media to get to your broader audience, please do that as well. Thanks so much for listening. I'm at Angie Belts McCord on LinkedIn and Angie underscore McCord on Instagram. I appreciate you so much.